Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. Our theme this year is the Kingdom of God. Our theme this year is the Kingdom of God, and I love that we spend full years on our visions, because it's not just something that's like, oh yeah, like that's a sweet little catchphrase, whatever, cool deal. No, it's like, it's something that that we do it for a full year, because it has to get in us. It has to get in us, you know, don't don't be a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Be an inch wide and go a mile deep. Um, I, I want us to really, uh, as this year is going on, this, this vision that Tim has given us, that we really submit ourselves to this process and we learn to be kingdom people. And we learn to be Christ, Christians, not Christians in name only, but Christians who are actually believers who are walking in the kingdom of God. And I want to talk to you about not just the kingdom, but the, what Jesus came on this scene preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, every song we did this morning, I was like, that's my sermon, that's my sermon, that's my sermon. Um, and I was like, we could just say amen and go home because that was it right there. But th- during that last song, that Graves in the Garden song, the, the, the line that says, there's nothing better than you. There is nothing better than you. I've searched the world and it couldn't fill me. The song before that, no one like you. That's, that's straight from Psalms 8. Like you can't find anybody in heaven, can't find anybody in the earth. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no, there is nothing like you. There is nothing better than you. And we've got, that's the gospel. We've got to believe that that's, that's Jesus. But, but oftentimes what I've seen in, in the church or, uh, across the world with very prominent religious leaders, very prominent influential pastors trying to change Jesus. And when you change him, there's now something that's better than him, the real Jesus. Because we don't change him. We don't box him in. We don't create a graven image of of him. We don't take the parts that we like about Jesus and do away with the parts that we don't like about Jesus. It's it's him. There's nothing better than him. We don't make him look like we want to look like. (laughs) You know, you got pastors, Tim and I were talking about it backstage, you got pastors saying that the Ten Commandments don't apply to us anymore. What in the world are we talking about? Jesus is the answer, but if you change what he looks like, he's no longer the answer, because it's not him. The answer for the world is Christ. The answer for our nation is Jesus. And while that sounds too simple, it is. It's the most simple thing, but we, but we often try, I think we change him sometimes maybe to make him more palatable, palatable to other people so that he'll go down easier, but you don't get to change him. He doesn't, he doesn't need our help to seem more appealing. He doesn't seem our help. He doesn't need our help to seem more appealing. We don't add on to him. We don't take away from him. It's Jesus and nothing else. <laughs> there's, there's no freedom in that, man. Like, I, like, it's like grace isn't that you get to do whatever you want. Like, I don't need that gospel because that gospel doesn't set me free. But I was bound. I was in bondage. I needed to be set free. I needed a gospel that would set me free. And it, he really is good news. Romans 1.16. This is the power. There's power in the gospel. And all it has to do is be simply preached, be simply told, be simply lived out. We live this out and it brings freedom into the world and freedom into other people. But perhaps, you know, perhaps we've missed our moment in, in, in times like these in our world because we tried to change him. We tried to make him more palatable, and we, we, we robbed his power of him because we began preaching something that wasn't actually him. But you look at all the, man, you look at all the bad news in the world, and many times, like, you know, 2020 hit, and it's like, man, could it get any worse? Yeah, it can. <laughs> Definitely. 
And I look at it now and go, can it get worse? I'm like, yeah, it could, yeah, it definitely could, for sure. Absolutely. But I also believe that we, that, that we as believers, this gospel, this good news that we believe is so good that it can overcome all the bad news that's happening in the world. Everything. Everything. And I want to look at it today. So we have the answer, and it's Jesus. Let's look at Isaiah real quick. Isaiah chapter 52 and 61. I want to look at Isaiah was given prophetic word about the gospel that was coming. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1. It's like right in the middle of your Bible. Pretty close. He says, wake up, wake up, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength, put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem, for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem, sit in a place of honor, remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion, for this is what the Lord says. When I sold you into exile, I received no payment. Now I can redeem you without having to pay for you. Verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings the good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy, for before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of God. Come on. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Jesus preached this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will become great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, for they have been deserted for many generationers. Foreigners will be servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vendors. You will be called priests of the Lord and ministers of God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches instead of shame and dishonor. You will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And I Friends, I want you to know this morning that the good news is not simply that Jesus came and you said a little prayer and you got saved from hell. That's an awesome part of the good news. I am grateful that I don't have to go to hell anymore. I'm grateful that I get to spend eternity with the Lord. But that's not the end of the gospel. The end of the gospel is the kingdom. It is heaven on earth. It is heaven in your life now. Don't wait to die for eternal life to start. John 17, Jesus said, eternal life is this, that you believe that the Father sent the Son. So the moment that you begin to believe in Jesus, the moment that you turn your life over to him, eternal life starts then. Eternal life is now. Not one day when you die and we hit that sweet by and by and we all fly away. Eternal life starts now. <laughs> Everybody under 40 didn't know. They don't know. I'll fly away. You like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Eternal life starts now. And, and, and the, the, the gospel, it, it, it doesn't need to be marketed. It doesn't, it, we, don't have, we make it complicated. We try to add things to it or take away from it. It simply just needs to be preached. It simply needs to be lived out. We don't dumb down or water down the message to become relevant to culture. When you do that, you're no longer preaching the gospel. Because he's so much better than anything that the world has to offer. And why would the world want the same thing that they already have? Just you just tacked a little Jesus onto the side of it. They need something completely different. They, they need to know what freedom really is. And, and maybe most of the world doesn't believe that God exists because most of the world lives like, most of the church lives like he doesn't exist. We're bound in the same depression that the world is bound in. We're caught up in the same fear that the, we're enslaved to the same sin that they're enslaved to. But I want you to know there's freedom from sin. There's not just forgiveness from sin, there's freedom from it. You don't have to sin anymore. The gospel is this, Isaiah 61, you were poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. And that doesn't have to do with how much money is in your bank account. That has to do with the way that you see life. You were oppressed, you don't have to be oppressed anymore. You can literally be in a jail cell and be more free than the guard that has you captive. You don't believe me? Read the book of Acts. Paul and Silas were more free than the guys who had them bound. And listen, when you really start to understand the kingdom, things like this start to happen. Where you really believe how free you are, you begin to sing about your freedom, and the literal chains that you're in begin to fall off. Come on. This gospel is a supernatural gospel. And if it stopped with you asking Jesus into your heart, you didn't get the full thing. Right? We're not going around trying to get people to repeat prayers. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. The apostles didn't. Right? Well, and, and like we made, we made like, we, we made like accepting the gospels, like every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Man, I'm so glad that my kids aren't growing up in a church like that. Because I did. And I, listen, I'm, I'm God, you know, it's a miracle that anybody got saved in the 90s, but God, you know, God is amazing. And in our weakness, there's a lot of grace. But, 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 but like, I look at, I read the book of Acts, and when, when, when Peter began to preach the gospel, he didn't say, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. They were cut to the heart, and he said, what do we need to do? He said, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin. You need to believe in Jesus. And it says, and 3,000 people got saved. Not by repeating a little prayer, filling out a little card, turning into your youth pastor. <laughs> the gospel doesn't need our help. There's supernatural Holy Spirit power in it. it. It doesn't have to be cleverly packaged. You don't have to be a great articulator to share the gospel with someone. Paul says four times in the New Testament, he wrote most of the New Testament, he says four times that he wasn't a good speaker. He said, I do this, I preach nothing but Christ crucified. It's simple. It's so, it's so simple. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 2. I chose to remember nothing but Christ and him crucified. We've got to get back to the simple power of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus, because it has power to set the most wretched sinners free, to set free the most bound captive, to set free the most demonized people, to heal the most broken bodies, hearts, and minds. And we can't, like, we can't become numb to this stuff. I think it's easy to say, like, okay, yeah, like, I know that. Like, no. We don't know that because there are people who don't know that, so we continue to move into it. Martin Luther said, I preach the gospel to myself every day because every day I forget it. 
I think sometimes we think, well, I'll, you know, I live in the Bible Belt. Like, I'm not in Chicago. I'm not in whatever. I'm not wherever. I'm not wherever. But look around. Look around. There are people that are so bound in religious duty. There, there are people... There are people sitting in churches all over the Bible Belt right now that think that, think that they are saved, that believe that they are saved because their grandma went to that same church. But they've never had a personal relationship with Jesus. They've never had an encounter with him. And they're fulfilling a religious duty by coming and filling a spot in a pew. Listen, the gospel does not stop with church attendance. It's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of power, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Come on. And what gets, people, man, what gets people there is the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. Romans 2, 4, don't you know it's the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance? It leadeth men into repentance. It, it, <laughs> Jesus came to change the heart. He came to look at the heart. And I see a lot, a lot of, uh, of believers, a lot of, a lot of Christians who are still bound by religious duty, religious law. They're, just, they're checking the boxes of don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And I'll do this and do this and do this and do this and then God will love me more and that's not it. Because we failed that test. You're going to fail that test 99 out of 99 times. You thought I was going to say 99 out of 100. 99 out of 99 times, like you're going to fail that test. <laughs> Start, like, it, it, I think sometimes like we, like we think the gospel starts, I think starts and ends with how nasty we are. We know that we're dirty. We know that we're full of sin. The world knows that. What they need to see is the face of God. What they need to see is the goodness of God. What they need to see is that father running down that prodigal road who comes with arms running wide open. Yes, like for sure, there's a, there's a, there is a repentance of sin. There's a turning away from it. But when Jesus came on in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, he says, the time has now come. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he says repent, he says change the way that you think. That's what that word means, change the way that you think. Be, don't just, be, what he was trying to get to was the heart. He said, you've heard it said, don't look on, don't look on, or, or you don't, uh, I need an interpreter, I'm speaking in tongues. You, you've heard, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look on a woman, look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So, so it's not like this outward conformity, it's this inward transformation. And so Jesus is going, and, and Paul says in Romans chapter 2, don't copy the behaviors and patterns of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing of the way that you think, and then you'll live in God's will that is good and perfect and pleasing. So it's a re repentance is a changing of the way that you think, the way that you see God, the way that you see yourself, the way that you see other people. You've got to change the way that you think. Why? Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so the, what you think about yourself, what you think about God, that's the behavior that's going to follow. So there has to be a changing of the way that you think. We have to, like, you're not going to live free if you don't believe that you're free. And Jesus comes in, like, th this is how, I've heard it explained this way before, the gospel is like, where, where I think sometimes we think, like, this is the study guide, and then study this, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pass the test. And so the teacher goes over it with me and 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 now you sit down and you take the test and we'll see how you do. But what happens is, is Jesus came in 
the teacher, he moves you out of the way and he took the test for you. And you've got to know that the way, if you believe, if you looked on him, believed in him for your salvation, God sees you like he sees Jesus. You are completely forgiven. You are completely washed clean. Right? You're not a piece of poop that he sprayed Lysol on. But many times that's how we look. I know that's gross, but that's how we look at ourselves sometimes. It's like we don't really believe that we're free. We believe that we're just a dirty, wretched sinner. No, you were a dirty, wretched sinner, but now you're a son. Now you're a daughter. Now you're a king. Now you're a queen. Well, man, I don't know about that. Not, it's not based on your behavior. It's based on his. And I'm not giving you a license to sin. That's not what this is. Because when you see that grace, that grace comes into your life and then empowers you for righteous living. Because when I see how good he is, it makes me want to get as far away from my sin as possible and get as close to him as possible. That's it right there. The, the Holy Spirit comes into us. He, Jesus doesn't live in your heart. The Holy Spirit does. So if you ask Jesus to live in your heart when you're a little kid, he'll forgive you. It's okay. But he's a man. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Some of you are looking at me like, oh my God. Jesus does live in my heart. No, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of your heart. It's the Spirit of Christ. Jesus is a grown man. He's seated at the, the, the right hand of the Father. That's where he is right now. Some of you are still looking at me like, you're crazy. <laughs> it's okay. Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. When he comes and takes up residence in your heart, he then, what Romans 8 says, conforms you into the image. You've been predestined to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. A.W. Tozer says the Holy Spirit will not enter a man and let him live like the world. His first name's Holy. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> he's conforming you into the image of Christ. He's doing that so that you then begin to be all that God created you to be. See, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they forfeited their authority. They forfeited their relationship. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to restore that, restore that which was lost. It doesn't say that who was lost, that which was lost. The who is part of the which. What did we lose? We lost relationship with him. Jesus came to restore that relationship with him. What else did we lose because we lost relationship? We lost authority. Adam and Eve were put in the garden not to just hang out in paradise naked all day. That's not what they were put there for. They were put, they were put in the garden to make the earth look like the garden. It wasn't supposed to stop just there in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to extend dominion over the whole world. Now, Tim preached, was it last week? We, week before last, you preached about dominion? The, I, like, I think that's foundational. It needs to be preached in every single church across America, across the whole world, because Christians don't understand our mandate. Jesus came to give us back what Pastor Tim was talking about. We now have been sent in his authority. Come on. We now have been sent in his authority to take back everything that the enemy took from us. Jesus came to restore that. Like, Jesus, he died on the cross, rose again, he ascended, he was enthroned. Jesus is enthroned next to the right hand of the Father. The most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament you need to know this. If it's the most old, quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, it might be important, but it's Psalm 110.1, and it's sit here. The Father saying to the Son, sit here while I make all of your enemies your footstool. So Jesus is at rest now. Ephesians 2 says that you're also co-seated with him. 
in heavenly places. And the Holy Spirit is now at work through the church, co-laboring with us to make the earth look like heaven, to make all of the enemies of Christ his footstool. Now, who are the enemies of Christ? We don't wage war against flesh and blood. We wage war against darkness, darkness that is defeated. The gospel is, is the darkness is defeated. Now, it thinks it, it thinks it has power because there aren't sons and daughters who are going, you can't be here anymore. Cancer has to bow. The flu has to bow. Sickness has to bow. Human trafficking has to bow. Abortion has to bow. All this nonsense going on with Russia and Ukraine right now, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. And maybe the reason that we're not seeing it bow is because maybe, maybe we have a mixture of unbelief. We don't really think that. We just said a nice little prayer. We're going to do our little good deeds, and then we're going to go to heaven when we die. But Jesus is saying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wouldn't tell us to pray it if he didn't want it to happen. But Jesus told us to pray it, and now we're going forth into all the nations making disciples. Actually, making disciples of all nations. Come on. we got we got to get our hopes up, but you've got to believe it about yourself. If you don't believe you're a son, there's no way that you'll have the authority to tell somebody else that they're a son. If you don't believe that you're a daughter, there's no way that you'll have authority to tell someone else you're a daughter. If you're not walking in freedom, there's no way that you'll have the authority to tell other people to walk or to show them how to walk in freedom. We've got to believe this about ourselves. Now, it starts, this gospel starts with a death. We've got to die. The only command found in all four Gospels is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. So his resurrection is our resurrection. We can walk in this authority, but it's his authority, not mine. I've got to die to myself. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been co-crucified with him. And so there is a death that has to take place. where, it's, where every, Your flesh is dead. But what the enemy tries to come and do is make you think that flesh is still alive. And so I'll give you, so when I wake up in the morning, when, when one of my kids wakes me up at 6.30 in the morning, and we were this weekend up all night uh, cleaning and preparing for uh, uh, our kids' birthday party. Little kids' birthday parties are awesome, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're <laughs> just incredible. Um, we, <laughs> all the parents said, oh, we know. Okay. But, uh, Wake up at 6.30. Got like five hours of sleep. It's been a long week. We got to get up. A bunch of little kids come over the house. That dead man tries to come out again. What do I have to do? I have to crucify him. I have to pray, Lord, not my will today, but your will be done. Not my will today, but yours be done. Lord, I... I I need your resurrection power. I need your abundant life. I need to walk in your kingdom right now because Josh Barnett, he's got to take up this cross and walk up this hill and die again. Amen? Amen. Starts with a death, but that death leads to resurrection life. And then we have to believe. We have to believe the way that the Father actually sees us, the way that God actually sees us, we have to understand that he's given us his righteousness. I'm not saying that you're never going to blow it again. But you've got to understand that your sin has been taken away, that you've been washed in the blood. And there's nothing that you can do that is more powerful than the blood. The blood is the most powerful thing in the whole world. 
He clothed you in his wedding garments. Colossians 3 says, he's declared you holy, blameless, faultless before the throne. He hasn't covered your sins, he's taken them away. We have to believe that about ourselves. We have to believe the gospel. Not that, just we're, that we're just accepted, but that also we're loved. That you're not, God doesn't put up with you. He doesn't tolerate you. He desires you. He wants you more than you want him, actually. I think Paul said a couple weeks ago when he was talking about God is love, God doesn't just love you, he likes you. And that was something really hard for myself to come into believing is that God, God likes me? I'm a mess. He likes me? Yeah, absolutely. He's crazy about you. You're not just a servant, you're a friend. You're not just a friend, you're the bride of Christ. He delights in you. He delights in showing you mercy. And if we don't believe this, then we'll never walk in the authority that we're intended to walk in. You were not just a, save, a sinner in need of a savior. You were an orphan in need of a father. The good, the good news of the gospel is not that... The good news of the gospel is not just that God's wrath has been satisfi satisfied. It's that you have restored relationship with him. I think oftentimes <laughs> we, we don't... Uh, we live as if, as if John 3.16 says, for God so hated the world that he murdered his son. He was so frustrated and so angry with us. And it's, like, it's almost like good cop, bad cop, that Father God pulled back his arm to strike us down, and Jesus got in the way and said, no, take me, Dad. It's not what happened. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that he could have a relationship with us. The son and the father were in complete agreement with what happened. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he who knew no sin became sin. He was that holy sacrifice on the cross that took all of our sin, all of our shame. All, he took the condemnation that the world was in, the condemnation that we deserved. He took it upon himself, and then it died. The power of it was broken on the cross. I'm getting into Easter message. I need to stop doing all that. <laughs> And then he was resurrected. And in his resurrected state, he also then showed us how we're supposed to live now. That's our whole, our whole theme this year was in Acts chapter 1 after uh, Tim taught this. After Jesus rose again, he was still teaching the disciples how to live in the kingdom of God. And that's what he's doing with us today. He's, he's a model for us. He says, follow, like we're supposed to follow him and act like him and be like him. And, and he said, like, I do these things, but greater works that you'll do. Mark 16, these signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Not the group of people I'm talking to right now. He didn't say that. He said, these signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Those that believe. He says, as the Father sent me, I send you. So we've been sent out in his authority. Authority to do what? Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Bring dead people back to life. And we're walking by dead people every single day. Just go to Walmart, man. <laughs> Walmart is a mission field. <laughs> There's a lot of demonic activity. You just walk by, you can feel it. You can feel it. Well, we're not supposed to walk by and feel it, not do anything about it. 
Come on. We're supposed to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when we walk, Luke 12, 32, fear not little flock, it is your father's good gift to give you the kingdom. But oftentimes we just go through the motions, we're just going throughout our day, we're just, you know, and we don't, we don't see people, we don't live out this gospel, or we don't, we don't see ourselves as worthy or as qualified. We're like, well, I'll let Josh do that, or I'll let Tim do that. We are not professional Christians for you. That's not the way that this works. You have the same access to God that we do. Come on, right? But you've got to believe that about yourself. You've got to see that. You've got to see what Jesus actually did in you. I'm not saying that you did this by your own works or by your own power, but you've got to see you were dead and now you are alive. But so oftentimes the things that we declare out of our mouth are so contrary, really demonic, to what God has said about us. I'll give you an easy example. You ask people, how you doing? <sighs> Tired. How's it going? <sighs> busy. So busy. And you just like... And, and as they say it, you just like, you feel it too. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, man, I'm tired and busy, yeah. Oh, you're right, man. And we just walk around living defeated. Miss Hetty was here in first service. I, every time I ask Miss Hetty how she's doing, you know she's never told me tired. She has a right to be tired. She's 91 years old. She, she's got, like, she, if anybody can say tired, like Miss Hetty can say it. But no, she's full of joy. How are you, Miss Hetty? Blessed. Amazing doing awesome, and she's never just sitting at home doing nothing. I passed that woman. She's driving all over the place. Come on, right? I feel like Miss Hetty can really be someone that, like Paul that says, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on. But we just like tired, busy. Come on. There's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I, John 15, I say these things so that your joy may be full. Come on, we should live in a way that like it, like it shines out from us. Where people should look at you and be like, you're, like, you're looking at me now, like, dude, you're kind of weird. What is it? It's joy. It's joy from the Holy Ghost. Man, you're really happy. I am. I am really happy. And it's not determined by my outward circumstances. And it's not determined by the doctor's report. And it's not determined by what's going on in Russia right now. And it's not determined at what happened at school last week. It's not determined, it's, be, it's because the Holy Ghost is in me. Rivers of living water are bursting out, are coming out of me. What? Well, man, I don't really feel that. Well, like how much time are you spending in this and how much time are you spending on Facebook? Come on, what are you, what are you, are you filling yourself with the Holy Spirit or are we filling ourselves with the opinions of man? Listen to me. Let's, we got this. And man, let, let, well, man I, I've never really seen anybody healed. Well, let's get there. Because he said it was available. And I want to believe him. Lord, help drive out my unbelief. God is not moved by our doctor's reports like we are. And I know that it seems scary. But God is no more moved by your, you, you getting a positive strep throat test than you getting a cancer report. He's still on his throne. And I know we've got people in here dealing with some serious situations, but I want you to know that we're going to contend with you and we're going to anoint you with oil and we're going to pray for you and we're going to see healing come to your body. Yeah. Healing come to your body. And this isn't like, I'm not saying this like, oh, like cute little catchphrases, get everybody fired up. No, I'm, I'm, we're going after this. I believe that this can happen. I want to see freedom brought to our community. I'm so tired of hearing about divorce situations and abuse situations and broken homes. I'm ready for the church to wake up and become all that she was designed to be in the earth. Because Jesus left 
and sent the Holy Spirit to fill us to co-labor with him and to build the kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. Come on. I'm excited. Come on. Well, and, you know, but we always come up with excuses. Well, I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for this and this and this and this. And if, I, if it wasn't for that person and that person and that person. They're not Lord over your life. <laughs> I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Good. You have the mind of Christ. <laughs> give them Jesus. Right? We, I, I think so oftentimes we, we can reduce our relationship to, Lord, help me deal with my boss today. And believe me, I pray that every single day. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Terry says she gets it. She gets it. <laughs> but I, I think oftentimes we reduce our, our, our Christianity to, Lord, help me deal with these difficult people. Help me deal with, help me deal with my spouse. You know, she just, she. No, Lord, help me, to, help me to become love today. Help me to be love. Help me to shine bright for my boss today. Help me to be a city on a hill for my coworkers today. Help me to be a city on the, a light shining forth in the darkness of Walmart. Come on. Right? Oh, Lord, well, you, man, you know gas prices. Had to cancel vacation. I can't afford gas prices. Don't let gas prices move your heart. Lord, I know that you will provide for all my needs. You are the provider. Well, the stock market's crashing. Well, the stock market isn't your provider. He is Jira. Come on. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with you being saved from hell. It ends with you being saved for what? And it's for making disciples of all nations. Come on. <clears throat> well, and I think sometimes we sometimes I, I'm, I'm going to land the plane here. I think sometimes we look and go, okay, well, man, how how me in Jesseville, Arkansas, am I going to bring change to the world? Here yourself yourself before listen before revival can come to a nation it has to come to a church before revival can come to a church it has to come to a man or woman it has to come here it starts with you well lord how can i get in your home parents with your kids with your kids well i'm just not really like fulfilling any kind of purpose do you have kids in your home that is your purpose moms let me tell you something with them babies all day you ain't listen to me you don't have to have some kind of college degree and you don't have to go out here and like conquer the business. I know what the world preaches to you. And listen, if you've got a college degree and you're conquering, my wife is a boss. Like she's, she, I mean, she's just like a magnet for money. I'm like, go get it, baby. Me and my sugar mama, like go for it. I'll, I'll stay home with the kids. Like, yo, go do it. But, but, but moms, I won't stay at home moms. I want to let you know, like you are fulfilling the call of God on your life. Listen, and it is the hardest call. It is much easier to go to work for eight hours a day than stay home with little kids for eight hours a day. Oh, my goodness. Come on. You're fulfilling the call of God on your life. And dads, when you get home from work and you roll around on the floor with your kids, you're fulfilling the call of God on your life. You're training up children in the way that they should go so when they're old, they won't depart from it. It starts with us. It starts in our families and our workplace and our school and our community. Don't make it complicated and try to strategize how you're going to reach the nations. Let's reach our backyards. Let's reach our backyards. Let's reach our schools. He can do it. 
our relationship with the Lord, our communion with him is going to get our, our hearts and our minds where it needs to be. We wake up every day, Lord, not my will, but yours be done today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me grace and strength to be like you today. Help me to love like you love today. And listen, those are not going to be words that you want to come out of your mouth at 630 in the morning. I get it. But say it anyway. Say it anyway. Have you a little prayer. It's not just some like religious mantra that you pray, but have some things that you wake up in the morning and you begin to pray. And, 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 and listen, moms and dads, when you're on your way home, begin to pray, Lord, help me to be everything for my kids that I need to be. Give me strength. I get it. We are tired. We are busy. We live in a very busy, rushed culture. But we can't just let life happen to us. We're called to live differently. We're called to build his kingdom. It's not time for the church to hide in its walls and pray, Lord, come quickly. It's time for the church to become everything she was destined to be. We have the answer. The answer is Jesus. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Romans 8 says that all of creation is groaning, waiting with eager expectations for the sons and daughters of Yahweh to be made manifest, for us to shine forth this darkness. And so when you're at work and people give you issues and stuff's happening and you're, you know, you're driving down the road and, and somebody just gets some road rage, they're just groaning. They don't know who they are. Creation doesn't know who it is. It needs sons and daughters of Yahweh to tell them who they are, to tell them that they're orphans in need of a father and that God is so good that he came to set them free from whatever they're struggling with right now. This is good news. This is freedom. This is the power to transform lives, families, and nations. It, is not, it, is not, it isn't kind of good news. It is the best news. Listen to this as I end. The gospel of the kingdom is that the king came to rescue his people, a people that, had, that took up allegiance with darkness and rebelled against their king. They were enslaved by the very darkness that they swore allegiance to. But the king brought his kingdom into the darkness and defeated it with the ultimate act of love. He sacrificed his own life, and light shined forth into the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. It could not comprehend it. And he actually completed the defeat of darkness with his resurrection so that all people who believe in him are welcome now into his kingdom and have access to his righteousness, his power, his peace, and his joy into relationship with him to receive abundant, resurrected, eternal life. This is the gospel. It doesn't stop with salvation and church attendance. It drives back the forces of darkness, the forces of poverty, the forces of abortion, the forces of racism, the forces of sexual perversion, the forces of sickness that rule our culture. The good news is the announcement that there is a new king and he's in charge. And he is establishing a new kingdom, a new way of life, one that sets us free from bondage, one that seems backwards and upside down to the world's way of life that teaches us to love our enemies, to become a servant of all, and to lay down our entire lives. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian in here this morning, you are mandated to build the kingdom of God on earth, to spread this incredibly good news that his kingdom has arrived. It is here, it is now, it is within us, it is available, and we have the responsibility to grow it, to expand it, to proclaim it, to live it out. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. And listen, I want to do this. Uh, I want to do this as we end. If you're dealing with any kind of sickness in your body, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. Or you've got family at home that is sick. All right, all these hands up. If you're around someone with hands, I want I want to lay hands on them. 
Scripture says to have the sick come from the church, have the elders lay hands on them, anoint them with oil. We believe in the priesthood around the believer here, through the priesthood of the believer. God, we pray healing over these people right now. Lord, we rebuke any cancer attacking their body. We rebuke any flu attacking their body. We, rebu- we rebuke any kind of any strep throat, um, any um, stomach bug that's been going around, anything that is attacking their, any fevers. And, and, and Lord, any, anyone that, that we're interceding for at home, like I, I pray, I pray uh, uh, health over the Ross household right now. Lord, I pray healing over Jason right now. I pray healing over Paul and Angela right now in their home that they would be completely healed. Lord, everyone in this place, Lord, we rebuke, we rebuke pain, we rebuke cancer, we rebuke hurting backs, ankles, knees. We, 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 we command cancer cells to dry up, to shrivel up and die in the name of Jesus. We pray that heaven would come into this place. There, your kingdom come, your will be done in our bodies as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sick people. And so we pray right now that heaven would come and fill this place. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We drive out our unbelief right now, and we stand by faith, and we receive your healing power right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray healing over our community. We pray healing over our families. We pray healing over, over, over this nation. Lord, show us how we can be a part. And in the words of Isaiah, we say, Lord, here we are. Send us. We'll go. We'll do it, God. We'll be a shining light. Let Christian ministries be a beacon, a city on a hill that doesn't go out, Lord. Lead us, God. Go before us, come behind us, walk beside us. We want to do this with you, Lord. We put our hand in your hand, and we co-labor with you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody in the house said amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.